Well, good morning. It's just fun to be with you this morning. I don't know about you, but it's like as the week goes along, my, my soul kind of dries out a little bit. Even with my own devotional time, all the stuff I do, it's just nice to be here. It's just nice to be together. The worship is helpful, the, the focus and clarity of it all. So uh, just glad that you're here, glad you're taking advantage of it. As we head into summer, you know, does it start to feel like summer today? Am I the only one? You know, <clears throat> it starts to feel like it. Don't, uh, don't, uh, don't be careless about taking advantage of these times because I... You can kind of grow dry over the summer, too. And so don't miss out on uh, being around and checking this out. And a reminder, you know, as you travel, if you're away uh, out out of town somewhere, remember you can live stream this wherever you go uh, via the Internet. Uh, You can also, if you can't live stream it because of where you are at a time, you can access the messages uh, independent, you know, anytime, 24-7, 365, 24-7. Did I get it right? Okay. All right. Couple things before I, uh, before I begin my message. Uh, first of all, I just want to say, uh, as you can see, it's VBS. So just piggyback on a little of what Corey said. Um, don't miss out on the opportunity this week represents. If you have a child or a child uh, connected, please uh, take advantage of it. These come around once a year. These big events. So, so don't miss out on that. Also, don't miss out on the North American Christian Convention, which is coming. This kind of event comes around once every seven to ten years, around here. I mean, last year it was in California. Next year, I think it's in Illinois or Indiana somewhere. It's, it's around, but the fact is the speakers are going to be fantastic. And I hope, you know, I'm not given to just gross overstatement on this kind of stuff. There are some amazing speakers who are going to be here. They've written books you've read, some of you. I mean, they are gifted, godly people, men and women. Don't miss out on the opportunity that's coming the end of June. Stop by the table over there afterwards. Grab any of us. If you have questions, but uh, if you volunteer, uh, you get a, a free registration. So that's worth 150 plus or something like that. So take advantage of that. Okay. We're uh, three weeks into a message series. It's entitled Help Me Understand Faith. And today we're going to talk about the link, the link between faith and intercession. Now, I know some of you probably thinking to yourself, that's an interesting. What is intercession? You're wondering that a few. All of you know what intercession is. You just maybe haven't thought a lot about it, connected the dots on what it is. Attorneys intercede every day in courts of law on behalf of their clients in the court or, or whoever they're representing. Uh, real estate agents intercede on behalf of buyers and sellers every day. Ambassadors intercede on behalf of nations and heads of state and dignitaries all the time. I mean, We're familiar with the idea of intercession. Well, in the same manner, when you and I pray, we're interceding between God and some person or some situation. We're we're representing to God some circumstance, some need, some person that we're concerned about. And spiritually speaking, intercession is just another word for prayer. It's descriptive of a kind of prayer, but it is... It is really about prayer. And this morning we're going to see that since prayer can change a life, since it can save a soul, so it can, since it can do a whole lot of other things, every one of us needs to learn to pray and intercede in faith. In faith and intercession 
are inseparably linked, as you'll see from Scripture. Jesus modeled and taught about this a lot. Maybe you've read some of it in Scripture, but if not, we're going to look at it this morning uh, together in the Bible. If you have your Bible, pull it out. And I want you to open this morning with me to Matthew chapter 21. We're going to begin at verse 18. I think this passage will help us understand faith and prayer better. And uh, if you don't have your own Bible, grab one. There should be one on the shelf nearby you, in front of you. Uh, just grab one of those. And I would add, if you don't have a Bible of your own, or maybe the one that you've got is an older translation or coming apart at the seams or whatever, feel free to take, take uh, one of these with you for your own personal uh, devotional time and just study on your own. That's part of why they're there. So take advantage of that. Uh, Matthew chapter 21, we're going to begin with verse 18. Jesus is the one who's speaking here. It's an amazing passage of Scripture that we're going to read together. And uh, let's, let's begin. Matthew 21, starting with verse 18. In the morning, as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, the Bible says he was hungry. And he noticed a fig tree beside the road. We've got trees up here, you notice? So, notice a fig tree beside the road. And he looked at it and thought, there's no fruit there. Right? That's what he did. If you read the text... He was hungry beside the road. He went over to see if there were any figs, but there were only leaves, only green stuff. And he said to the tree, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withered up. The disciples were amazed when they saw this and asked, how'd the fig tree wither so quickly? And then Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you have faith, And don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. You can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you'll receive it. Now, this incident in the life of Jesus is full. It is rich with opportunities for you and me to learn. I mean, books have been written, book after book after book have been written about this passage. I mean, scholars have spent vast amounts of time under, trying to understand it in the English and in the Greek and, and trying to dissect it. But in the interest of time this morning, I want us to focus our attention on two practical observations that I believe are worth noting in this passage. And I think by the time I get done, you'll say, yeah, that was, that was important that we, we make note of those things. So we're going to highlight these two practical observations together. Apply them to our lives, uh, illustrate them a little bit, and then we kind of get to the end. My hope is that our prayer life and our faith will be heightened. It's really what we want to try to do this morning. Observation number one in the text is this. I want you to notice the power of the spoken word. Notice the power of the spoken word. How did Jesus wither the fig tree? Tell me. He spoke to it. He talked to it. That's how he withered the fig tree. I mean, we've all heard of, like, being withered by your words. We've heard kind of that kind of thing. Where's that idea come? It's just like the root of the concept really was here where Jesus spoke to the fig tree and it withered. He spoke and it immediately, noticed, began to wither up. Now, some of us read that and go, but that was Jesus, right? That was was Jesus. It wasn't me. I mean, he's God in flesh. I mean, remember the... Remember the manger and, you know, we start doing this in our head. Well, I, I want you to see what Jesus says. Look at verse 21 again. Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you 
have faith and don't doubt. Who can do things like this and more? You. You can do things like this and more. Much more, he even says. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. Now, ever since Jesus spoke those words, he has created a crisis of faith in the hearts of his followers throughout time. I mean, ever since he spoke it. I mean, his followers have been saying, what's he saying? You can speak to a mountain and it'll be cast in the sea. You can, we can do more than this, all, all of that he's doing and, and more. What, what's he mean by that? And it's most foundational level. What Jesus is saying is that there's power in the spoken word. So if we're wise, we'll be careful about what we say, right? If ever there's a generation that's more careless about what we say, uh, I can't imagine it. What Jesus says here is true. If, if our words have power under the right circumstance to cause a living fig tree to wither, then is it possible that our positive and negative statements, when mixed with faith, have the potential to set things in motion that we may or may not want? I believe that's one of the, one of the understandings that we can walk away from this text on. I had this picture as I was, was working on this. I just, you know, it's as if we carry around a gun, you know. We, you can't really do it anymore because, you know, 150 years ago you could get away with it. But nowadays you can't really carry around a gun. But you carry around a gun, and if you have no shells in the chamber, you know, you're just shooting blanks, right? Is all you're doing. You put a shell in the chamber, it becomes a weapon that's dangerous, Right? It can bless you. You can shoot a deer. You can shoot a hog. You can shoot something and eat and survive and and be blessed by it or protect yourself in some way, right? It can be a blessing under those circumstances used properly. But it can also be dangerous, right? The picture, I think, of Scripture is that our mouth is is like the weapon. Insert faith. Inject faith into this mouth. And whether it's for good or bad, we have the power to influence things with our words. And the wacky thing about life is that sometimes we say things randomly and there's faith associated with it and we just don't realize it. We need to watch what we say if we're wise. We need to watch what we say about our finances, what we say about our health, what we say about our spouse or our children, what we say about our business and its practices and its, its profitability. We need to watch what we say about our life expectancy if this is true. And apparently, based on the text, we need to watch what we say about our trees. See, some of us are inclined to think, oh, well, I, I just have to watch what I say about really important things. Apparently, trees are part of the list. Your garden, you know, etc. It's maybe our words have far more power than we recognize. If we if we had time to explore this more thoroughly this morning, I mean, you you know this is true. 
And we have people who are not even believers who are out there saying, you know, if you, you can speak your destiny and it will come to pass. What are they talking about? They're talking about one of the natural laws of the universe, but it's supernatural. It's that faith has power, just like gravity has power. And for good or bad, we can speak and things happen if faith is associated with it, mixed with it. Much more could be said, but we need to remember, every one of us, the power of our words, the power of the spoken word. Jesus models that here, and he does it over and over again. And we could read James 3, which talks about the tongue as a fire, and you set your whole life on fire. He goes on and talks about how we can bless people or we can curse people with it. We, if we had time to do a full-on study of Scripture, you'd go, wow, that Jesus meant this. The Bible means this on a level that I don't think often about. He means it. The second practical observation in this passage is sort of builds off of that, though. The second observation is I want you to notice the power of a faith-filled prayer or faith-filled words. I mean, there's power there is what he's saying, illustrating for us. In verse 22, Jesus says this. Look at verse 22, Matthew 21. He says a controversial thing. He says, you can pray for anything. And if you have faith, you'll receive it. just want to remind you, that's not my idea. That came out of the mouth of Jesus. Okay? I want you to read it out loud with me just to mess with you. <laughs> All right? Let's read it aloud together. You can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you'll receive it. You read that pretty good. Let's do it one more time. Uh, you can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you'll receive it. Now, I want you to think about this. Does Jesus habitually say things that he doesn't mean in Scripture? Answer me. No, he does not habitually do that. He doesn't have a problem with that like some in our culture do. You think he told us this, for example, as a cosmic joke? It's like, I'll get, I'll get you on this one. I'm, I'm going to tell them that you can pray for him because then they'll pray for him and then I'll stick it to him. Is that, is that what he was doing? No, of course not. There are people in our world who would do that kind of thing. Jesus is not among them. The person who's going to die on a cross for your sins doesn't do that kind of thing. He's too preoccupied with the fact he's going to die to mess with you that way. It's just, there's just too much love in his heart. To behave that way. It's what an immature person does. Jesus told us this for our benefit. He wanted us to understand the power of faith-filled prayer and that it was available not just to some remote select group, but it was available to you, to me, to all of us who would put our faith in him. What if somebody asks for something that's not God's will? Is Jesus saying that they're going to get what they requested? Do we even need to ask the question? Really? Really? Of course not. Again, what Jesus is stating is a general law of the supernatural universe. When you mix faith with prayer for something that's good and virtuous... 
Whatever it is, you'll receive it, he's saying. And as Jesus' disciples began to comprehend the seriousness of what he was saying, uh, they responded in a lot of ways. One of their primary responses is recorded in Luke 17, verse 5 and following. The apostles said to the Lord, this was their response, show us how to increase our faith. (laughs) If, If what you're saying is true, we need more faith. We need more faith. The Lord answered, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, another tree, another tree involved. Is that not interesting? Another tree. Say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and thrown into the sea, and it would obey you. Isn't it interesting that like, there's kind of like a thing for uprooting stuff and throwing it into the sea? It's happening multiple times in Jesus' illustrations and teaching. In fact, most of us hear Jesus' words like this, and we get bogged down in the illustration. We get bogged down in a mulberry tree getting uprooted and thrown into the sea, or a mountain getting lifted up and thrown into the sea, and we miss the point. Those are illustrations of what he's saying. Here's what I believe Jesus really wants us to notice that just sort of escapes us sometimes in the the shock and awe that we all have as we read this, is what he says in verse 6. How much faith, look at verse 6, how much faith is required to activate and empower our words and prayers? Faith is small as a mustard seed. Faith is small as a mustard seed. About the size, it's the size of a mustard seed. It's a little tiny. Smaller than the nail that punctured my tire this morning as I was driving to church. That was about like this. Actually, about like this and long and smaller diameter, a little bigger diameter than that. That's just a little, little, bit of, little bit of faith. Not much is required. Part of Jesus' point is that mostly we just need enough faith to ask. Enough faith to persist a little bit in our asking. To believe that we need someone's help other than our own, that's really about as much faith as required. While I was preparing for this week's message, I just kept being reminded of a true story that I heard about several years ago. And the story is a little longer than I prefer, but it fits so perfectly. And I know it's going to encourage your prayer life so much. I want to share it anyway. I want you to just listen carefully to the story. Just try to picture it in your mind because uh, it's true. It's a true story. Several years ago, a man named Doug Coe, who was a remarkable man of faith, he used to live in the Washington, D.C. area. He passed away, I, I think, earlier this year, if I remember, uh, saw it correctly because uh, he did a little background research on him again before uh, today. And I think he passed away. But Doug Coe lived in the Washington, D.C. area, incredible man of faith. His good, good friend, Bob Hunter, was a brand new Christian. And he was just trying to understand and figure this whole Christianity thing out. He, he, just, he was reading his Bible really through for the first time. He was in the New Testament trying to understand things. And one day, Bob, the new believer, comes to Doug, his good, good friend, who's been a believer for a long time, man of faith. And he says to him, Doug, do you really believe what the Bible says about moving mountains when we pray. 
And Doug thought about it. And he said, yeah, I sure do. Bob, new believer, totally shocked, just aghast at the, at the thought that his good friend would believe this. And he asked him, he said, do you, do you mean to say to me that you believe if I prayed for a mountain to move, that it would move? Is, is that what you're saying, Doug? Doug thought for a while, and the conversation between them went something like this. Doug said, let me put it this way, Bob. I not only believe it, I'll make you a bet. I'll bet you $500, Bob. Bob, what do you know about Africa? Bob looked at him and said, nothing. So he said, what do you think about when you think of Africa, is what Doug said. And Bob said, I think about monkeys swinging in trees when I think of Africa. Well, then here's the bet, Doug said. I want you, want you to pray for 45 days, 45 days straight. And here's your prayer. God, help Africa. Got it? You can't miss a single day. That's all you have to pray. God, help Africa. At the end of 45 days, you be the judge on whether any mountains have moved. You think a mountain has moved, you pay me $500. If you don't think a mountain has moved, you just tell me, I'll pay you $500, no questions asked. Bob was an astute businessman. He liked the odds of this wager. He accepted the bet, and he began to pray daily, God, help Africa. Repeat it with me. God, help Africa. This was the prayer. Compelling prayer, wasn't it? Deep, deep theological. This is the prayer. God, help Africa. A few days later, after Bob had begun praying, as Bob was at a business dinner, he sat down next to an elderly lady, and in the course of a conversation over dinner, he found out she lived in Uganda a country in Africa. And, he ran, and she ran an orphanage there, of all things. He began asking her question after question after question about Uganda and Africa. And after a while, she finally asked him, why are you so interested in Africa? I mean, this is, have, you, have you been there? Have you been there? And he sort of sheepishly and embarrassedly said, uh, you're never going to believe this. I, I've never been there. I, I made a bet with a good friend, and he proceeded to tell her all about his bet and by the end of the evening, she invited Bob to return to Africa with her in a few days to visit the orphanage. Just come see, just come see the place. And so on a whim, he accepted the invitation. You can guess what happened when he visited the orphanage in Uganda. He was smitten by the children, which is what happens to you every time you go to these places. Is that not right? and guys who've been to Mexico or some of you have been some other places, Guatemala, various places. You go there and you just, you are. You're, you're moved by the, the humanity, the reality that these are children and they didn't invite this upon themselves. So after coming back to the U.S., Bob got a few friends together. They bought a load of toys and clothes and medicine and sent them back to Uganda. following week, he got a phone call Unexpected phone call from the woman at the orphanage. Mr. Hunter, the children are so grateful for what you did. They would love it if you, would, uh, you could come again so that you could, uh, they could make a special presentation to you to show you how much they appreciate you. Can, can you come? She didn't have to ask twice. Bob accepted the invitation. He was off to Uganda again a little bit later. And after a very heartwarming ceremony at the orphanage, 
there was a phone call at the orphanage office for Bob from the president of Uganda. He'd heard about the gifts and called to thank Bob personally on behalf of his country for, for what Bob had done for the orphans. And he also invited Bob to visit him that afternoon in his office. He wanted to meet him personally, if, if possible. And so Bob agreed. And after, when, he, when he arrived at the office for his appointment, the president was in the process of rushing out of the office, kind of a little bit discombobulated, headed out of the office in a hurry. He apologized that he needed to go uh, to some emergency appointment, but invited Bob to come with him. He said, we can visit in the car, get acquainted, and, and add a couple stops, and then you know, we'll come back and we'll get you back in time for what you need to be, uh, where you need to be. And so Bob accepted. Along the way, as they went to the various stops, at one of the stops, Bob looked out the window, and the president got out of the car and did what he did. He looked out the window to see what appeared to be to his, a stockyard. You ever been in western Kansas? You ever been in Nebraska? A giant stockyard. Just saw one of these big stockyards, and only the stockyard was not filled with cattle. It was filled with men, people. When the president got back, Bob asked the president what he was seeing. The president responded, this is a political prison. Those men are my political enemies. Conversation went something like this. But, Mr. President, it's not right to have men living in such horrible conditions. I mean, they're men. You've got to let them go. But those are my political enemies, men who've tried to subvert my authority, the president said. I can't let them go. That would be foolish. But Bob said, you've got to let them go. It's just not right that human beings have to live like that. Conversation didn't go longer. In a few days, Bob was back home in the U.S., going on with his life. And about a week after that, uh, Bob received a phone call from the U.S. State Department. They wanted Bob to come to a special meeting with the Undersecretary for African Affairs. Bob was puzzled over the purpose of the meeting. He had no political ties like that. But he went to the appointment anyway, and at the meeting, the Undersecretary of State for African Affairs and Bob had a conversation along these lines. Mr. Hunter, on behalf of the government of the United States of America, I want to thank you for what you've done in Uganda. For what, Bob, Bob said. I mean, the U.S. government wants to thank me for sending some toys and clothes to some orphans in Uganda? No, Mr. Hunter, it's about the political prisoners. What about the political prisoners? Well, the president of Uganda recently released the political prisoners, which is something our government has been trying to get done for years, without success, I might add. He told us after taking this action that he was, was doing it because what a, of what a gentleman named Bob Hunter said to him. What I said to him? Yes, after years of failed negotiations, we all want to know. What exactly did you say to him? Well, needless to say, Bob and the undersecretary were both shocked at what he'd said and what took place. Because as you know, all Bob had said was, you got to release them. They're people. The story doesn't end there. After the State Department meeting, the president of Uganda called Bob over the phone asked him to return to Uganda to help him form a new cabinet for his country. True, true story. True story. 
But, Mr. President, I don't know anything about your country or the people who would best serve in your government, Bob said to him. I'm just an American businessman. How, how can I possibly help you choose a cabinet? The president said, Mr. Hunter, I trust you. Please come. Bob went and did what he could to help the president select his new ministers. And since that time, a close friendship has existed between Bob Hunter, American businessman, and the president of Uganda, who no longer is the president. He's retired from all that. But in, in fact, the president, when he comes to Washington, D.C., guess where he stays? In Bob's home. After 45 days of praying, God help Africa. Guess what Bob Hunter sent Doug Coe? A check for 500 bucks. And Bob, a new believer, no longer wondered if God could or would answer a simple, sincere prayer of faith. Here's the point. Prayers of faith can change a life, can save a soul, can influence nations, can move mountains. According to Jesus, prayers of faith can do anything that God can do. And we're wise if we learn to ask like the disciples, Lord, give me more faith. Give me more faith. And we're wise if we remember that it's not about quantity as much as it is about humility to ask, to trust that there's a God in heaven who's on the other end of that prayer who cares more than we do about the world in which we live and all that is wrong about it. It doesn't mean that literally he will answer every prayer. And that shouldn't surprise us because as I think back over the course of my life, there are things that I prayed for in my 20s that I'm really glad God didn't answer that prayer. Right? But God who is loving and wise is smart enough to know which prayer to answer and which one to say, I'm just going to pretend you didn't pray that. (laughs) So pray. Lift your needs, your concerns, your problems, your friends to God in prayer. Listen for what he wants you to pray about and then pray. Your prayers can and will make a difference as you and I learn to pray in faith. And, you know, on those occasions in life when you and I might feel like our prayers are just hitting the ceiling, I'm praying, and it's something we really want, but it's one of those moments when God has chosen to close the heavens, and he's not doing what we want. That's a good time to trust and keep on praying anyway, because that it's foundation, faith is not just about getting what we want through prayer. It's also about following, as we talked about the first week. It's about action, as we talked about last week. It's about trusting God, as we're going to talk more about in a couple of weeks. Learning to trust Him, even when things don't seem to make sense, even when they're not going my way. Before we close in prayer today, 
We've got a song that our worship team is going to sing for you. It has an important message about faith and prayer and trust that we all need to hear. And it, and it gets at, the, at that aspect of prayer that does sidetrack us sometimes. When God does something that we maybe don't want, it's one of those moments where we maybe pray and he doesn't respond. I think God can touch your heart as you listen to this and as you reflect on everything we've talked about today. So listen carefully. We'll close in prayer when they're done, all right? I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what needs are there, concerns. Um, maybe there are health issues or financial issues. You've got relational challenges in your life. This I know. God cares. And this I know is what Jesus said, that if we'll pray in faith, he can do anything. He specializes in doing things that you and I can't do. When he does that, you know, he's the only one that can get any credit for it, right? That's part of that. For most of us, the question is, we have the humility and faith to ask. So I'm going to pray, begin our prayer time. Then give you a few moments of quiet, just lift to God, maybe something that you've got going on in your life where you, you need his intervention. Maybe it's something you've been afraid to ask for. I can't promise you that this will be one of those times when God miraculously strikes you because only God does that. And I can't force his hand or manipulate him by the way I say things. But the fact is, he cares, and he can do the impossible. And if we ask and wait patiently and persist in our asking, as Jesus taught, maybe you'll see God's hand. Maybe if you ask for 45 days, it doesn't have to be great big old long verbose exhausting prayer jesus taught you know don't think that you're going to be heard because of your many words that's what he says in matthew 6 it's about the humility of spirit and looking heavenward with faith maybe some of us need to set aside something we're to pray for 45 days seeking god just see will god move a mountain in my life Let's bow our heads and pray. After we pray, we'll be dismissed, all right? Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you that you care. Thank you for every one of these people, for each one's faith, just to be here. And so their faith is not an issue, Father. The issue really is just what is going on in our hearts and lives. You know, our world's broken. It's all messed up. We're messed up. We humble ourselves before you. We ask for your intervention. We need more of you. We need more faith. We need more of your assistance, partnership, help in our lives. So, God, I ask that you would help us. Help us to be men and women of faith and devotion to you. Would you help us by hearing the needs that we have and addressing them in our lives?
just right now, just lift, lift whatever kind of in your heart to God. Next few moments of silence, okay? Thank you, Lord. Nothing is impossible for you. Not a virgin birth. Not a physical healing. Not a resurrection from the dead. Not speaking and a universe coming into existence. And our request is not impossible for you. We're bringing it to you because we believe you have power to do things. And you have compassion to want to. We're just asking, would you help us to meet our needs? And Father, would you build our faith as we see your hand at work? God, we thank you that you care. Thank you for every, every life, every family, and every prayer grateful for your grace. Now as we leave this place, Father, may the things we've talked about echo in our minds. May we apply them to our daily lives. Would you you help us to just echo this prayer to you in the days ahead? We ask that you'd move a few mountains. And we'll promise to give you credit and glory the results of what you do. However you do it. It's our request. And we lift it together in the name of Jesus. Bless you all.